Welcome to show 102, Unlocking Lyme Disease with Dr. William Rawls. Today's show is sponsored by Candace Hunter. Candace Hunter Creations, actually. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Candace Hunter Creations. <laughs> Candace Hunter Creations. Creations, helping families and individuals create health and wellness through natural life, or natural living. And Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical, a free street reach integrated health clinic. We are, we are a 501c3 and we do accept donations. And Hunter Creation graphic design and website design. If you need new brochures, marketing materials, or a website, give them a call or check their website, huntercreation.com. All right. Hey, been a busy month. I mean, even though we were on hiatus. Hiatus, <laughs> air quotes. <laughs> yeah. We still did stuff. We, we worked every, 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 every week we were doing stuff. And... The Herbal Nerd Society got a, quite a few members over the month of July. Yay! Oh, they did? Welcome, Herbal Nerd Society members. Yeah. You rock! Right? Yeah. So that was really That's cool nice. to see. So yeah, that kept building, and we're getting more and more members there, and we have some really special content that uh, Sue, you've been writing for them, and now I think we're up to 80 episodes that are available to Herbal Nerd Society members yeah. of the Real Herbalism Radio podcast. Only they can get it and, and hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of fun. That's uh, a definite that's a special benefit. thing. Yeah. It's a Benny. Uh, so keep joining, keep being part of the, of, the, of the in crowd, the herbal in crowd, if you will, and uh, keep going from there. The other cool thing is that we noticed that there was an uptick in the Amazon book sales. Oh, Woo-hoo. wait, I didn't know. I know all Thank of this. You. What's that? I didn't know any of this stuff. This is this is all news to me. Well, we looked at this before you came. Oh, wow. Well, well, I didn't get the memo. Did you get the memo? I didn't get the memo. Well, that's good. Yay. Yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank so, you, people. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's Aww. going to see kind of cycles. Someone will buy one, and then the same person will buy three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's because yeah. they read the first one and say, wow, I have got to get more of this buffet of right. knowledge. I must do it. And off they go. That's oh, how go. that works. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the other cool thing that's happened over July for us, there was just some you know, kind of numbers. And the, um, our, our numbers doubled from last year. Oh, yeah. The number of people looking at the practicalherbalist.com yeah. has doubled yeah, really? last year. Yeah, yeah so last year, last year on a day-in and day-out basis, you know, we were averaging 750 people coming to look, read, whatever. We're at over 1,500 now every Ooh. day coming to look, read, and whatever. That's great. I yeah. really, I mean, that was the whole purpose is to get information that's usable out there for people to actually access it because we were so yes. frustrated with yes. the amount of information and some quality of the information that was out there too. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel good. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, all this work. Oh, yes. <laughs> finally getting success. That feels great. So you, uh, Candace and Sue, you're going to be somewhere special this um, is October? September? Yes, in October, October 5th, yes. 6th, and 7th, if I remember correctly. It's the American Herbalist Guild's um, symposium. symposium. Yes, it'll be in Silverton, Oregon. And it's, yeah, that whole weekend. And we're going to be teaching a class called Taking Herbalism Out of the Broom Closet. And, uh, and the theme for the whole entire symposium is herbal activism. Right. So get in your feet. On the ground with herbalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, it's not too late to get tickets for that. And especially you Oregonians, the, er, the American Herbalist Guild, they have their symposium in different states every single year. This time, Pacific Northwesters 
off we yeah. go. Yeah. So That's kind of cool. Instead of having to travel, um, you know, across the country. Uh, the other thing is that I haven't talked to you guys about this, but as we were speaking, I was thinking. I'm not the only maybe, one to be surprised. Uh, maybe, maybe that you guys could record that and that could be an Herbal Nerd Society special. Yeah, that, that would, would be, be really good. cool. So, the, so if even if you couldn't make the trip, you can still hear the the thing, and all it would be is a membership. Uh, simple, and the membership's only say. you know five bucks a month. Right, right. So not, Four like, ninety nine. You know, I mean, yeah. I've seen some of the herbal stuff that people buy. Oh my lord! You know, a funnel. How much is a funnel? Right, a good funnel, a good measuring. Cup. I mean, geez, yeah, thirteen yeah. to fifteen bucks for a good mm-hmm. funnel. Right, yeah. and the whole year of Herbal Nerd Society is only forty nine ninety nine. Yep, and that's. Yeah. I can spend that in alcohol for making for making tinctures for making tinctures. Yes, what kind of alcohol, Sue? The big stuff, yeah, the, the nasty tasting stuff. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that people are being more more open to bringing natural healing into their life, and I love being yeah. part of that. It's a real honor. So join the cons- join the discussion with us on Facebook. We have over what thirty five hundred now, or is that what you said to me last time? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's a big jump because we, we were kind of yeah. hanging, and then suddenly we got a big jump. So that's been great. Uh, also, we have so many people posting photos on the Instagram hashtag, yeah. practical herbalist hashtag, which is really cool. It's, it's kind of fun to see people when they're doing that. That's fun. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's hard to keep up now, isn't it? It is. It's, it's gotten to the point where it's really hard to keep up with <laughs> all the cool stuff people are doing. I love it. Love right. it. So, on with the show. Herbalists almost universally want to make the world a healthier place. Some of us find our way into the field through seemingly unconventional means. As medical professionals who know thinking outside the box is key to healthy change are all around. Today, we're talking with Dr. Bill Rawls, author of Unlocking Lyme and specialist in herbal and natural treatment plants for helping people overcome chronic illness and restore wellness. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Well, Sue, summer's come, it's tick season, and we have the perfect guest to help us get through it. Yes, we do. Welcome, Dr. Bill. Dr. Bill Rawls here. He is the author of Unlocking Lyme and, honestly, an incredible expert on Lyme disease. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, so we we had the chance, and so we appreciate you sending us. We got cop. We each read a copy of your book, Unlocking Lyme. And I, I have to say, first off, when I got a copy of the book, I have read in my time a lot of books on specific conditions. And each time I pick it up, I think, okay, I'm going to learn something, but I get a heavy sigh because it seems like the books are one of two types. Either it's full of exclamation points and lots of huge claims, often unsubstantiated, or it's so dry in the reading that it's hard to get through. And this book was not that way at all. It was interesting. It was palatable. And you had, you had my attention. You really had my attention, and I appreciate you making, uh, putting all that time into putting together a book that was appropriate for a wide variety of audiences on a topic that has been, been unfortunately, a lot of people need to know more about it because there's a lot more people that have it. Yeah, thank you. I, it's, um, I have achieved my goal then. It, it, uh, it took a lot of work and thought, but 
it's uh, you have to have something that people will read and understand to really make a difference. Um, so there was a lot of effort in, in doing just that. You, you come from this from a very, very personal experience. Am I correct there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I was in the thick of it, no doubt. And, and that comes through palpably as you describe how Lyme disease works, how the microbials work, and how to work with your medical professionals. I, I, I appreciated that very much. Yeah, can you tell us uh, a story of how you ended up where you are now? Well, <laughs> just tell us the whole no, thing. No one wants Lyme disease, but no. um, having that said, and even though the entire experience was quite unpleasant, it changed my life in a way that uh, I feel fortunate. Um, it, it gave me a second career, and um, uh, it gave me a purpose that nothing else um, has, has given in the same way. Um, I am fourth generation conventional physician. My grandfather, great grandfather, was a horse and buggy doctor. My grandfather was uh, uh, used to have, drive a fair, Ford Fairlane and go on house calls. And then my father, uh, OBGYN. Um, I initially didn't do that. I graduated from. Uh, uh, college with a degree in economics and accounting. I didn't want to do the same thing that everybody else was doing and, <laughs> and, uh, got pulled back. Um, so wait, ended you up going back and getting a degree in chemistry and biology <laughs> and going on to medical school. Okay. So your version um, of had, being a, a rebel was to take financial classes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. go ahead. Changing, and I wasn't sure I wanted to get into it, and um, did. And uh, in, in medical school, was uh, frankly a bit turned off by a lot of the things that I saw in the medical medicine floors, and that pushed me again toward OBGYN because it dealt with. Uh, health and life and vitality. Um, and it was a really wonderful specialty, uh, but was extremely demanding. Uh, got good training, brought it down to a small town on the coast of North Carolina, and um, uh, began taking night call every second to third night and did that for about 15 years. And it um, it caught up with me in yeah, a big sounds, way. That sounds um, I think like many people, most people with Lyme disease don't really remember a tick bite. And I feel fairly strongly, um, most people, it's, it's not the tick bite. It's not, it, you, you get these microbes and they stay in your system and they are not the kind of pathogens that would cause uh, pneumonia or, or you know, you, you, you wouldn't want to compare it to Ebola virus. There's nothing, it's really not like that. We really pick up microbes throughout our lifetimes. And it's a perfect storm of factors that come together that disrupt immune function that allow these microbes to, to flourish. Um, and that's what happened to me. Um, 15 years of taking call every second to third night and not sleeping and trying to keep up with demands of father, husband, community um, caught up with me and not sleeping, not eating well. And uh, at, at first I thought it was fibromyalgia. I went to my local doctors. They really were clueless except 
doing labs and giving me medications for symptoms, which really all just made me more miserable. Wait, what year um, was this? Eventually found out that it was Lyme disease, but that was after I had already made a decision to leave the medical system because I didn't feel like they could help me. Yeah, so give um, us a. I ended up having to stop OBGYN and start my own medical practice. What year was that that you that you made that decision then? I guess it was around 2004, 2005, so a little over 10 years ago. um, I uh, just reached a point that I couldn't do the obstetrics anymore, um, so I stopped. But not having a diagnosis at the time, I couldn't really declare disability, and I didn't really want to. You know, I didn't want to give up on life, though I had virtually every symptom of Lyme disease at that time. Uh, the testing for Lyme disease at that point was negative, so you know, I picked up the diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which a lot of people do, which is just a, a term, a description of symptoms. And yeah, that's, that, that's kind of one of those like disease of unknown origin, so we'll call it fibromyalgia, right? There, there are a lot of those. Yeah. Um, and I look at chronic illness quite differently now than I did then. I really look at chronic Lyme disease as a model for all chronic illness, and I consider fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, uh, chronic Lyme, all of these mystery illnesses, and as basically the same thing, but minor differences. And these things progress uh, into other kinds of illnesses like Parkinson's, MS, and everything else. Um, it's it's all interrelated. Yeah. There are no separate diagnoses. Um, that that's that's just a function of the medical system. Yeah, as I say, that that honestly sounds like a very herbalist thing to to recognize, or just the herbalist way of looking at it. Yeah. Well, at at that point, you know, I I wasn't a heavy prescription prescriber through my practice. Um, you know, I, I prescribed, I wrote prescriptions for herbs. I wrote prescriptions for yoga, <laughs> things <laughs> nice. like that pretty frequently along with knowing the drugs. But um, my background in pharmacology and understanding the drugs helps me understand the fundamentals of herbology also. Um, so that training did become useful to me. Yeah, I I can imagine that it would have. I mean, these are the way that herbs work. I mean, they're they're complex, but they definitely have chemical components that can help you understand how to best use them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But they are fundamentally different. There's no doubt about it. So, how did you end up getting your Lyme disease diagnosis in the first place? Um actually, I had uh, accepted that I had fibromyalgia um, and was uh, had given up on on conventional medicine. Um, I, you know, losing my primary career and starting a new practice, I didn't really recognize the financial burden that would be. I had two kids that were in college at the time, and. Um, I really had no financial resources, and then I was strapped to this new practice that I couldn't leave town, so I really couldn't go see specialists anywhere, um, like many people do, Um, and that turned out to be a blessing because I had to use things that I could bring to my doorstep, um, that I could learn about through the Internet, that I could learn about through books, 
and um, I went to some different herbal conferences. Uh, one of the first ones was one we have in North Carolina uh, called Medicines from the Earth. It's in Black Mountain, North Carolina. I'll put in a quick ad for them because we just <laughs> I just took my crew up there. Uh, we just got back yesterday. Uh, that was my first herbal conference, and wow, it was just great. Nice. And and I could tell that was going to be my salvation. That was going to be what I would use to get well. I just, I, my intuition just pushed me there so hard. Nice. So I was already doing that and um, getting better, but not getting quite as well as I want because I wasn't using herbs to the degree that I do now. Um, but I changed my diet. I changed. I had given up the night call. I, you know, I was doing yoga. I was doing all the health practices, but I wasn't quite there. And then one summer, I got a tick bite uh, on my rear end. I thought it was a chair bite at first. All <laughs> week, I started having these weird rashes, and uh-huh. and finally the bullseye rash, and all oh, the symptoms no. that I've been having came back in spades. Uh-huh. And then later, the test was positive, so I knew all along. I, I had had Lyme disease the whole time. Right. Uh, but I no longer think of Lyme disease as an infection with a microbe. I know that, you know, every tick is, is every tick that anyone ever gets, you do get microbes in your system of a wide variety. And, um, and it's, it's the immune dysfunction that comes along with it that's the real problem. Um, after that, I really embraced herbal therapy very heavily and uh, immersed myself in it. And that ended up being what was my pr- primary modality of recovery. So you talk about that a little bit in your, well, quite a bit in your book about how these, the microbes are, are everywhere. They're always there. Even the, the Iceman of the <laughs> Alps that he had, yeah. uh, he had the, he tested positive for that disease too. And you also kind of went into why you speculate that's becoming more of an, a, a disease of our industrial and and new the more emerging culture that we have. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, everybody looks at Lyme disease as okay. I got a tick bite. I got this microbe. It's making me sick, and I've got to eradicate this microbe to get well. And it really that works well for acute pneumonia. Um, It would be a good way to describe some highly virulent microbes like malaria or AIDS or Ebola. But when you look at these kinds of things like Lyme disease, you're talking about something that's inherently different, completely different. Um, These microbes our immune system knows these things. You know, you look at ticks. Ticks have been biting humans since there have been humans, and ticks are one of the most perfect vehicles in nature to transmit microbes. So when you look at these microbes, they're not new to us. I mean, we've been playing this game with these microbes for thousands upon thousands of years. And good evidence for that is most people, when they get a tick bite, they don't get very sick. And what that suggests is the immune system is immediately reacting to that microbe and and um, therefore uh, is taking measures against it immediately, as soon as it enters your system. Um, the problem is these and other microbes are just really stealthy. Um, they, you know, we've been playing this tug of war with these microbes for thousands upon thousands of years. 
So when you look at it from that point of view, we're all bitten by ticks. We're all bitten by mosquitoes. We all have flea bites, bug bites. We we have contact with other people that's intimate. We drink things. We eat things. They're constantly microbes trying to enter our bodies to use us as a host. And that's what it's all about. So these microbes really don't need to make us ill to be successful. All they need to do is have a presence and wait for another opportunity to spread to another host, and they're done. They've completed their mission. And, um, and that's, that's fundamental. So I think as our testing gets better, what we're going to find is there are an awful lot of people out there that have Borrelia, the microbe that causes Lyme disease, and don't know it. They're not sick. And virtually everybody has some microbes that we would classify as stealth microbes. Mycoplasma, Bartonella, all of these. There's so many, chlamydia. Um, and I think we're just scratching the surface. As long as our immune system is healthy, we're okay. But, but. <laughs> if, uh, if your immune system starts to break down, uh, that's when things happen. Yeah, it seems to me that part of part of perhaps the reason that over the last 20 or 30 years we've started to see more and more people with Lyme disease is that our environment is really, there's a lot of disruptors in our environment, and we really have a hard time avoiding them at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important uh, concept to get across, uh, that I like to get across, is it's uh, when you look at illness, it's... Um, it's, it's a function, any chronic illness is a function of the person's genes, but that's less of a variable than you would think, much less environmental factors and also uh, what microbes they're exposed to through your life, what kinds of things they collect in their, what we call their microbiome. Because everybody has things that are in the margins of their microbiome that are, that are not so good. Um, some are more sinister than others, but they're all there waiting for an opportunity. And um, if you let your guard down, then you're going to have problems. But our world has changed. Um, and I, I put things into categories. You know, when, when most doctors are evaluating a patient, they're going, okay, what labs do I get? What are the symptoms so I can put them in this box called a diagnosis that we can treat that diagnosis? And, and sometimes that's helpful, but I look back and I'm asking the question, why is this person ill? What kinds of things have contributed to their, their existence, their life that has set them up for, to allow them to have this chronic illness? And I think that's a really important uh, thing to ask when you're helping someone to become well. Yeah, I think that that is a, an essential key, actually. Um, not just for like from a herbal perspective, but in general, that that's that's where I wish our medical system could go. Yeah, I, I'd love to have an opportunity to teach that basic concept in medical school because it it's really that simple. I mean, we make it much more complex than it is. But when you look at illness of any kind, uh, you can really uh, trace down. Uh, to seven specific categories, uh, the food the person is eating, and, and, and Americans are eating high-carb, grain-based diets that are terribly disruptive to immune function. 
toxins in our environment. We have more toxins, petrochemicals saturating our environment than ever before. Um, and they enter our bodies in a lot of different ways, uh, plus natural toxins like mold, emotional stress. You know, we, sure. uh, we all live on a clock. We're all running from the tiger every minute of every day. And that, that sets off a, a chronic fight or flight reaction that depresses immune function and disrupts all hormone systems in the body. Exercise. You, you need enough movement to generate endorphins, and most people are sitting in front of a computer all day at work. And going to a gym and running on a treadmill for 30 minutes is not going to do what you need it to do. No. <laughs> um, radiation, who knows how much all of the electromagnetic devices are affecting us. And uh, oxidative stress, like free radicals, we don't get enough antioxidants to protect us from free radicals that are generated by energy. And then the microbes, and um, those are the categories. So it doesn't matter what illness you're talking about. Um, and I've been doing this, using this model for 10 years. Um, when you start tracing it back, you can start identifying the factors that disrupted the person's healing systems and immune system. And, and then you can use that detective work to start putting the person back together. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And honestly, I mean, I look at it and say this is kind of a wake-up call to those of us who may not have expressed or started to get chronic disease symptoms to the fact that we need to we need to work on many of those seven just to protect ourselves from getting it because the microbes are there. I mean, you know, I was bitten by a tick when I was a kid. There's a very good chance Lyme disease is running around in my system somewhere. Yep. I've got to make sure I work on all the other six. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, those are quite a few things to handle. Where did you start? How did you make the change in your life? Yeah, it's uh, when you look at any chronic illness, everybody's looking for the one big thing. Um, and we all do that. In the beginning, I went to my internist and just, you know, find out what's wrong with me and give me the thing, the drug, the medicine, <laughs> the whatever mm-hmm. that's going to make me well. And um, that works, and our system is designed around that concept. You know, we, we, we do very, very well with acute things. If you break your leg or have a stroke or have a, an acute pneumonia, wow, do we do a great job. But when you look at chronic illness, you're talking about um, multiple factors. You know, it, it, it's not just one thing. And it's, it's generally many things that add up to that perfect storm of immune disruption um, so you've got to undo that. And so it ends up being a lot of little things done over time. And, uh, you know, in, in, the, in, in the programs that we use, uh, we help people identify those factors and put, put them, piece them together. But it, it takes time um, and it takes effort. Um, I think herbal therapy is the cornerstone of that. Um, but, but you have to do the other things, too. You have to take a, you have to take the stress factors off of the healing systems of the body for them to work. Would you say that you have a favorite herb that you've been using lately or a few favorites? They're all favorites. <laughs> I love herbs. They're all good. No, but I um I've done a lot of reading and I've listened to a lot of people and and um I, I approach herbalism probably somewhat different than traditional herbalism. Because of the Internet, I think we're entering into a new age. 
that we now have so much good science about the biochemistry of different herbs and how that's affecting humans' physiology. Uh, so we can, you know, we can use those observations from Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine and all the different disciplines from the Amazon, from North America, from Russia, Europe, and look at that, look at the science behind it and start applying it. But um, there's, a, there's an herbalist from Great Britain um, named David Hoffman, um, and he described, put things into two categories, normalizers and effectors. And I think it's really valuable nice. in looking at a concept for herbalism and just um, medicinal therapy in general. A normalizer would be something that counteracts those forces that are causing illness. Um, a, a great class of normalizers are the adaptogens, um, ashwagandha, rhodiola, schizandra. I mean, there's so many. And what these things are doing is they they have immune modulating properties. So, you know, these, these microbes are manipulating the immune system to generate inflammation to break down tissue. So when you look at Lyme or fibromyalgia or any of these things, the concentrations of the microbes are very low in the body. That's why you can't find them. Um, but the, so the symptoms are coming from a manipulation of the immune system. So these herbs are, are affecting those immune messengers that we call cytokines to reduce the inflammation, and this allows the immune system to target. Uh, most of your herbs also have some suppressive antimicrobial effects, um, when you look at herbs, you know, the plant is using these chemicals for a purpose. So they have, they can balance hormones and, and other kinds of things. So these normalizing herbs are very safe. You can take them in high doses for all of your life and they will not hurt you. Um, and those are the herbs that I use mostly in the programs that we use and the products that we have. Um, and then there are the effectors. Um, the effectors are the ones that have a specific targeted effect. Uh, kava to control anxiety, um, St. John's Word to control depression. And all of those are good herbs too, but they're going to have a little bit more of a drug-like effect, so there's going to be a higher potential for uh, side effects and therefore harm. So you, gotta, you, you need to be more careful with those kinds of herbs. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I like them all. I mean, the cool thing is I'm not restricted uh, and in my approach to one discipline, um, I'm, you know, we're using kind of the best of the best from traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic and from the Amazon and North American. And, and it's really great. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it is. I love that. And I love seeing how the herbalism field is opening up and really starting to interweave across disciplines. And you're one of the people who's helping that happen. Uh, it, it's uh, it's exciting. It, it really is exciting. It's a lot of fun. Well, uh, Dr. Bill, it was really a pleasure to have you here today and uh, appreciate you taking time to, to share with us your journey and tell us a little bit about Unlocking Lyme. How can people get a hold of you? Um, it, probably the best way is uh, rawlsmd.com, R-A-W-L-S-M-D.com. Uh, that's our the website where I provide inflammation and inform, information and, and connections. Uh, that's a that's a great resource. 
Um, the, the book is also a wonderful resource, Unlocking Lyme. Uh, you can find that at that website, or you can also uh, find that on, on uh, Amazon uh, and other sources, too. Uh, so either one, and they can lead you to other ways to find me. Um, we do a lot of work. I, I do do consults to the Internet that I help people just figure out their situation and move forward. Uh, we're starting a health coaching program through the site that we hope to have up and running uh, over the next several weeks um, just to just to because it is a process. It's not something that's just, you know, done uh, in one big thing. Uh, the heroic therapies for this just don't work. They know. They know. Thank you so much for sharing this. We'll make sure we have links on our show notes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for well, so much for being a here. a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.